Welcome to the Upper Left Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Anderson. And please, before we hop into the show today, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your listening medium of choice. Leave a review and perhaps share us with a friend if you're feeling so inclined. Thank you again for your continued support as we now are past the year mark of the podcast. Um, if you have any suggestions for the show, any guests uh, that you think might be a good fit, don't hesitate to send them my way on Instagram at Jack underscore Anderson III. Today on the show, we are joined by John Garish, who is the head strength and conditioning coach and head track and field coach for North Broward Prep in South Florida. Um, this was a really fun conversation. He hopped on the pod today to talk about high school strength and conditioning, which is something we haven't really talked about on the show before. Um, and he just discussed how far it's come since he joined its ranks seven years ago. Um, I found this to be a very interesting conversation because in the last seven years, I think I've had at least seven different jobs while John has been at one. Um, I've worked with some high school kids, college professional athletes, uh, the military, etc. So I've sampled a lot uh, while John has really overseen an extensive, peer, extensive period of development uh, for, for the kids at his school. He's had some of the kids... Uh, for their full, full four-year development, and now he's even working with middle school kids. So when those kids graduate, he'll have overseen development for some kids for almost six to seven years, which is really, really cool and impressive. Um, he's working with some stud athletes down there. Um, beyond that, though, a wide range of athletes as well, which certainly can make your job uh, that much more complicated. Uh, what blew me away, first off, was John's dedication to his athletes and desire to provide an environment that fosters excellence in his kids, regardless of their athletic talent, which I think is pretty, pretty freaking cool. We talked at length about his approach towards working with a wide range of kids and assembling a solid coaching staff that can cater to that wide range uh, and is committed to the development of the whole person. Um, John also breaks down what has changed for him since COVID-19 in terms of scheduling and providing a safe experience for his athletes. Um, he also breaks down the schedule for those interested in high school strength and conditioning. It was cool to hear uh, the, the many different hats that he wears and how busy his schedule can in fact be. So really good considerations for any coaches looking to break into that side. Um, and then finally, we discussed his free uh, Saturday speed sessions that he's been broadcasting on Instagram. I think he even got on TV for it at one point. Um, I think it's so cool that he's taking into the entire South Florida community and trying to find a way to uh, get people involved in something as cool as speed. Um, it was really fun to hear his thoughts on that. He just has a really good perspective about what truly matters, um, you know, as as humans. Obviously, it's exciting to work with stud athletes, and, and it's something that most of us would probably like to do. But um, if I feel if, if you're an athlete and you care and you come to John, regardless of your skill level, you're going to get his 100% time and attention. And I think that's really special and not something we always are going to see. Um, you know, from other coaches. So I think it's really cool. Um, it was special to hear about. He's a, he's a selfless person, John, and it certainly left me thinking of ways I can better serve those around me as well. Um, so thanks to him for hopping on and hope you enjoy our conversation coming right at you. John, thanks so much, man, for joining the show. Really appreciate you, uh, you making the time out there. Uh, I know you're a busy guy on the weekends usually, so thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. No, it's a, it, you actually caught me at a perfect time. Sundays are peace and relaxful. So um, you know, having that opportunity to, to catch up and, and find the time to do it is, is as meaningful to me as hopefully it is to you and, um, anybody that's viewing or listening to this. Yeah, man. I, uh, 
I've been doing the podcast now for like about a year. And it was something I had in the, like on the back burner for like three years, I was in radio prior to getting like going into this field. So it was like, I, I know I'd be all right at this. Like, it's fun. I love it. And, really? uh, dude, every week on Sundays, I usually have somebody on. I'm like, Oh, this is like one of my favorite hours of the week to be honest with you. So yeah, I, I certainly can imagine how, um, how fulfilling that might be, you know, how, how it's kind of like ch- catching up with a friend, but also maybe meeting some people and, um, getting the opportunity to talk shop and learn about what they're doing. It's got to be a pretty, uh, pretty sweet opportunity. Yeah, man. It's, it's great. It really, really no complaints here. And, um, I guess just jumping into this, I, I don't know like much of your origin. So I'd love to hear kind of where you started, what got you into this, you know, the typical <laughs> way a lot of people usually start off podcasts, which I try to avoid, but I don't know anything about you, like from an origin point yeah. standpoint. So let me know, like kind of your background in all this. Well, we're almost going to go full circle because I'm, I'm pretty much seating, sitting, standing, coaching where I was sitting, standing and coached when I was younger, uh, maybe in a different um, school, different uh, place. But certainly my hometown is my hometown and I've, I've returned back here, which is in South Florida. Um, so uh, out of high school, actually, my, my entire life growing up, I mean, I, I, I played a variety of sports, but probably the sport that I loved the most um, was football. And I was a football player up until um, up through high school. And that was my college route as well. Started at the Air Force Academy. Um, Some injuries happened there. Ended up at Wagner College. Um, Some more injuries happened there football wise. And that was really my first experience in track and field was when I was told that I probably shouldn't play football anymore. Um, And I was able to pick up track and field. Um, pursued a couple years there until I graduated with my undergraduate degree. And I pursued then my fifth year of eligibility and what I was hoping to be my sixth year at the University of North Texas. So it happened to be just my fifth year. And then that was it. That's kind of my athletic career in a nutshell. Um, Then began my coaching career, which was a very seamless transition because not only were some of my, uh, my strength and conditioning coaches Um, And my track experience there, I also knew I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach. I had some kind of, um, I had some interest, certainly some interest in sports psychology. That was honestly probably the main thing that brought me to North Texas. They had kind of a combined uh, master's program that would go kinesiology and sports psychology. Was thinking maybe I would pursue that route. Um, But when I got the opportunity to really be on the floor in the weight room, I knew that I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach. I knew that uh, sports psychology was going to be something that I used um, in my coaching. It wasn't necessarily going to be the career that I pursued, if that makes sense. Um, and so through that time, I had the opportunity to learn from a wide range of coaches, from my throws coach, who his primary philosophy in developing throwers uh, was basically training to become better Olympic lifters. Um, and at the same time, I was also getting weight room experience from Frank Winterick, who is a tier system uh, minded coach that uh, at least at that time, and I, it's my understanding still to now, probably um, was not using the Olympic lifts at all. So seeing those two, like that was that was completely almost polar opposites from a developmental standpoint in the weight room. Um, they certainly had a lot of crossover from just a general um, general. CNS training and and just the additional things that we could do outside the weight room from a sprint jump throw capacity. I think Frank was very inspired by track and field and some of the ways that he kind of some coaches might argue filled the gaps of, um, you know, not incorporating Olympic lifts. Um, But I saw a lot of that. And again, that was my track experience. So then shortly thereafter, I had a brief stint at Rutgers University. 
Um, and while I was at Rutgers, I got a call to come back home at North Broward Prep. That wasn't the school that I went to growing up, um, but it was actually, it's a stone's throw from the, from the house that I grew up in. Um, I used to sneak on the field and track and, you know, now I'm chasing kids away saying they can't do it. Um, uh, but so that was, you know, it was, it was very, very close to home. I, I always thought I wanted to be college, you know, I wanted to go the college route. Um, and that was really my first experience of thinking, you know, I knew I wanted to come back to South Florida. This has always been something that this is a place that's very meaningful to me, not just because it's home. There's additional things on top of that. I think that, uh, make it very important and special to me, but, um, hearing that I had the opportunity to come home. It was actually a, a brother of a close friend. That's now he's still our basketball coach that reached out and said, Hey, we got this popping up. I was like, ah, I don't, I never even heard of a high school strength and conditioning coach at that point, to be honest with you. And that's, an, that's certainly a knock on myself, not on any strength and conditioning coach at the high school level. Um, I just didn't do my research and didn't have a, have a grasp and understanding of what was really special happening at the high school level. Um, so, you know, I, I was kind of hesitant at first, I think probably even though like when I, when I had an interview with RED, I was sold. Um, but I still think maybe I was tiptoeing and half-stepping a little bit. Um, even when I had started the, the, the job, not that I was thinking like it was going to be something that was temporary, but I think that was kind of in the, in the back of my head, maybe like, when am I going to get back to the college level? Um, seven years later, rounding out year seven now, I have no interest, no disrespect to the college level or any coaches in it. It's a, you know, tremendous, uh, some tremendous things that they're doing for, for young men and women, um, tremendous things that they're doing for those kids on the field as well. Um, but this is where I want to be again. South Florida is very meaningful to me. I have the opportunity. I have the freedom to be able to do some things on weekends, just like you kind of touched on. Um, and, and, you know, other things on top of that, that I think can happen at the high school level. And specifically, it's not just, I mean, the place I'm at is special, uh, 100%. They, they give me freedom to do the things that I want to do um, outside of uh, the realm of responsibility. Um, but they also, I also have a lot of freedom in what I can do on campus. And I think that's really helped me develop relationships with the kids and, and attempt to build what I want to build there, which, um, you know, I think, I think, again, the kids have been buying in and I think it's been a, a productive seven years. You seem real happy, man. Like just from, watching from afar you just seem really at peace with your situation and i think it's funny i feel like my road is a bit more windy i think and like there were years where i'm like what the hell am i doing like why am i doing what i'm doing right now you know like i'm not enjoying this um but in the last year i feel like i've kind of like got to some level of that myself um was it like was there was there a transitional period for you for like the first year or two you're like why am i doing this like this is not what i want to be doing uh, you maybe hit some roadblocks you didn't anticipate with the school, something like that. Well, firstly, thank you for that. I think that's one of the nicest compliments you can give. I mean, seriously. Um, and I do feel that way. I feel very happy. I think, you know, I think honestly, um, the athletic career path for me was probably that time to be honest with you that it was kind of like what's going on what's happening and I think you know at that time I was so I I, I mean I, I had like some bad days when you couldn't play a sport that you played all your life and now you can't do it anymore and, you know I think there's there was a lot that happened there um and just a general kind of feeling of um you know, growing up slash like that early college career. Like I think all of those stops, those three stops that I went to were at the right time, right place. Um, I would not change a thing. Um, but, you know, in some of those moments, I think I had gotten wrapped up so negative and like, so 
the grass is going to be greener on the other side, you know, and I think we have a tendency to do that, that it was in that time that then like track became a really good transition for me, I think out of sport, not that I was committing less to track. I mean, I was committing as much to track probably as I was to the entirety of my football career. Um, but I feel as though um, the stress that I put on myself for performance or the stress that I put on myself for just like not enjoyment because I, I miss the sport like heck. I wish I was still competing in it. Um, but I think it was just there was some pieces there that were a transition out of sport that it helped me kind of see through a more positive lens and decide that really ultimately you have, you know, you really have two options. I mean, your, your situation is your situation. You either get out of it or you stay in it. And if you stay in it, you're staying in it, you're staying in it because you love it, you know, and if you're getting out of it, it's because there's a better situation elsewhere. I don't feel as though right now there's a situation elsewhere that's better. So for me, I'm going to take everything as positive and everything that we, you know, even the, even the bad days, you know, and we all have them, you know what I mean? Nobody's, you know, got a smile on their face. And if they do, Maybe it's hiding something else at all times. Um, but even the bad days kind of, you know, I continue to keep them in the scope and the lens of, of, of what we've, you know, what we've been able to accomplish, but also what kind of our goals are, not just on campus, but um, what's going on off of it. So again, I appreciate that compliment. It is, uh, I mean, generally super happy on a daily basis. I told you it's really meaningful to me to be home. Um, I get to work with 14 to 18 year old kids really 12 to 18 year old kids um, on a daily basis and sometimes even younger on weekends. And it's just really hard to not enjoy the time with them. You know what I mean? It's, it's very easy. They, they have the, they have the ability to, you know, like you see some of their stresses on a daily basis and like you or I, we're in a, we're in a relationship in high school and you're in a relationship for three months and it ends. It's like, it's the end of your world. You know what I mean? Like now, totally. now as an adult, it's laughable. So like, on one hand, you're saying, on one hand, you're thinking, well, this kid's problems aren't as big as my problems, I guess. So it's easy to like, kind of get out of the stresses of your own, but also helping the student and young person understand that, number one, it's not the end of the world. But also as yourself, understanding that for them right now, it might be, you know, so um, it kind of is it's easy to bounce stress off of those kids because they don't really understand my stress. I don't really I mean, I do understand their stress because I went through it when I was younger, but our stresses are different. They can help me kind of see the better side of some of the days, you know, some of the days that are challenging. I think I can help them hopefully see the better side of some of the days that they're challenging. And, you know, it makes it really easy when you have fun loving good kids on a daily basis that you get to see and you know really good colleagues that are our age um that we get to work with um it makes it really easy to be to have a positive mindset i think that's awesome um it's funny i was actually homeschooled all the way through high school uh and went to college i'd never been in like a organized classroom before um and uh i actually taught pe prior to going to get my masters for a couple of years and um, it was my first exposure to like seeing how like a normal kid's life is like when they go to school. Right. <laughs> and um, I, honestly, it kind of blows me away, like seeing the schedule that a kid has. Maybe it's like more recent. And when I was a kid, it wouldn't have been the same thing. But like, to be quite honest with you, I, like I feel like 
sometimes the schedules are so rigorous. I'm like, I don't even know if I can handle this now. <laughs> like, I don't know if you see that with your, with your kids or. Come on. You got, yeah, you got kids, you know, especially ones that are facing the pressures of, of sport, you know, um, that, you know, they've been identified as, and this is a topic that's very meaningful to me, like identifying talent and labeling kids athletes when they're young or labeling kids football players when they're eight years old, you know, like that. It's just, it's just silly. Yes. Sport is sport brings so many, so much positive to our life. And, you know, it, 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 when you, when you get wrapped up in though, becoming that, and you are that just because you're good at something, especially at a young age like that, bad things happen, whether then or later on in life. Um, So I think some of those, I think where that kind of tease off is in those early years, you know, we might have some kids, we might have some kids that are doing, you know, private training in the morning before school, going through their school day, playing a high school sport practice, and then going to a club sport practice, and then having more private training or something after that. And then it's like, okay, where do you work in your homework? Uh, Where do you work in your sleep? Where do you work in, like, forget all of that. Where do you work in being a kid and a human being, you know, that isn't just a robot that's trying to, you know, develop into this athlete that, you know, might be a road to nowhere anyway. Not not that it's always negative, but, you know, it, it just, so you see some of these and it's like, no wonder that our kids are facing so much stress and, and, and they're feeling some of the ways they do. And, and eventually no wonder why it's hard to motivate a 15 year old that's playing, uh, you know, whatever sport that's playing soccer, that's been playing travel sports since they were seven years old and been traveling to tournaments every weekend and playing a crazy amount of games and practicing through all hours of the night, because, you know, it's not that the kid doesn't want to be motivated or doesn't want to be great. And, what they're doing. It's just that they're, they're burnt out, you know, and it's going to happen at some point or another, it's going to happen. Something's going to give. So, but it is, it is absolutely crazy. I mean, the schedules that these kids have, um, the stresses that's put on them, um, you know, it can be a a real, real challenge in in keeping their spirits high and, and keeping them motivated maybe, you know, but also just keeping their interest engaged in whatever it is that they, they did love growing up, you know, yeah, I feel like bandwidth is like a big thing. Like, I know it's kind of a buzzy word, but yeah. something I think about a lot, like I'm in the private sector. So we're kind of dealing with like maybe the inverse of what you are. Well, to some extent, I suppose, where, you know, kids are starting to pick up sports here finally again. I think you guys probably had sports almost the whole way through, but we haven't had sports for forever, which is kind of cool. Cause we got like, I mean, we do some pretty solid training. I'd say here, like bias, I'm biased, but we do some pretty solid training with our, our amateur population here and like, um, it was a long unbroken stretch where we got a lot of development in with these kids and there wasn't a lot else going on, which was pretty cool, but we're starting to, you know, see this ramp up back to sport where it's like, Oh yeah, I'm practicing twice a day. And then I work out on my own. And then I might come in here too. And you're like, man, like you don't want to, you don't want to like, especially if someone's excited about it, you don't want to downplay it, but you it's how do I word this just to get you to understand that like in two or three weeks, this might not be, <laughs> what you need or what you want. And you're going to have to start to cut down what you can do as your bandwidth starts to shrink, you know? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's no wonder that again, I'm, I'm, I kind of see through a track lens, but I mean, how many indoor world records were broken in yeah. crazy 
you don't expect times like that. And, you know, the Miramar Invitational was this weekend to see some of the times that, you know, these athletes were running and see some of the jumps and the marks that they were having. And, you know, largely that might be because we were able to step away a little bit. You know, maybe it's something, I don't know who's going to be the person to do it. Maybe someone does come up with a course of action of, of how this is going to be. Now, obviously we're not going to take a eight month quarantine every year. That wouldn't make any sense. Oh, I hope not, man. <laughs> positives that have come from this crazy negative, you know, heartbreaking gut wrench, gut wrenching situation that we faced over the last year. Plus at this point, you know, there are some things that I think we can take from it that might be a little more, uh, you know, um, I don't want to say shallow, but less important, you know, the scale back, the scaling back of, you know, training methods or just the really opportunity to step away from something for a little bit or pick up new skills or be, you know, well-versed in, in Zoom technologies and, and things that we've done that really there are going to be positives that come from this um, that, you know, I think, I think will, will eventually present themselves if they haven't already. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and that goes back to your mindset, man. Like I felt the same way. Like I didn't, I wasn't one of those people that was like at the end of 2020 was like, Oh, 2020 was great for me. Like I didn't go posting that all over social media. Cause I know people went through hell and back, but of course I, I, I managed to found, find a good, you know, balance of things during that time. Um, and it was not easy. So, <laughs> so it can be done. And I think it's super cool to see anybody that has taken that mindset over the last year. But anyways, all right, let's go into a little bit of the actual strength and conditioning stuff that I wanted to talk about. So when you get to North Broward Prep, mm -hmm. you didn't know much about like high school strength and conditioning and it being a thing. What was kind of the, as you get into that first year or two, what was the landscape kind of, of people you reached out to that were also in the field? Has it like, how much has it grown? Like what's, what's, what's happened in the last seven years kind of? Yeah. I mean, the, the, National High School Strength Coaches Association was founded in that time, um, of of which I've I've been um, an avid member and supporter of. Um, you know, some of those coaches, some of the founders in themselves, Gary Schofield, Fred Eves, Kevin Vanderbush, are men that um, you know. At that time, we were going to other conferences, and um, just having the opportunity to kind of meet with them was probably like the starting point. You know, because before that, most of my most of my mentors or advisors or people that I looked to with some of those questions were largely college coaches, which great men and women um, do a great job in their setting, but, it, and, you know, still help me to this day in understanding like what we want to prepare our student athletes for. But the fact of the matter is a group of 14 year olds in a weight room is not like a group of 21 year old division one athletes. It's just, it's just not the same. Um, so there's like, there's like certain situations, um, not that, you know, I feel like almost all of the people that I really look up to, they would almost say like, well, get with the program or get lost. Like, and that's just not how our situation works. You know what I mean? Number one, I'll get an email from a parent or something the next day that won't be. Very <laughs> oh, yes. I, yeah, I would understand that. So, you know, it's just, it's just a different setting. So having to, you know, um, being then, you know, and in this same kind of time that I said, well, I was thinking, well, when am I going to get back to college? So that was a large part of what my network was, was like, not, I wasn't just calling people to see if they had jobs, but at the end of the day, like you, you keep the network of the people that maybe you want to work with one day. 
um, to then understanding like, okay, I want to be here for a long time. Um, who can I seek more information from? And to do that, I just wanted to find the best in the business, which were the three names that I mentioned. I don't even want to go beyond that because I'll miss somebody, but those, those three men are some of the best ever in my opinion. Um, and I don't think there's any debating that, uh, and what they've done for the high school level, not just at their schools, um, but in what they've done, um, for everybody else that's, that's in our profession. So, you know, seeking out informa information from them and then meeting other high school coaches. And then also just understanding like you, you, there's, there's, um, there's so much range that happens at the high school level, probably even more. And, you know, a college coach might laugh at me for saying this, but probably even more than what would happen at the college level. And now I understand the difference between division one and division three schools or NAI, NAIA schools might be significantly different, but I'm talking about like, I'm at a, I'm at a, um, reputable college prep school down the street. We have title one schools. We have, um, just, uh, you know, uh, neighborhood public schools that their situation could not be any different from mine. I mean, it's, it's, it's more different than, uh, I would be maybe to the college setting or even what a coach in the private sector is facing. It's just such a unique, there's so much, there's so many dynamics that go into a high school kid's day. There's so much, I mean, just think of the different families that live within a 10 mile radius of where our school is. I mean, you're talking about the 1% on both ends of the spectrum, potentially. And that's, that's a, that's a reality of, I think most many areas that's um, that's a conversation for another day, but um, especially again in this area. So, you know, also wanting to get with coaches that, um, you know, understood that we're at schools like ours um, understanding. So my network changed a little bit from like, not necessarily. And I still contact those coaches that I really look up to and adore and want to be like, um, but also the coaches that are, you know, making magic happen in situations that are much like mine or even situations that are a little bit different. I mean, I work with some kids that are at those other schools at different times and being able to understand what they've done um, and being able to understand kind of how they approach uh, families and students and people in a much different way than probably what happens at the college level. So um, just connecting with coaches like that, I think that's really the big thing, you know, especially for like college coaches that are, that are gravitating to the high school level. I think that's one of the things that they face right away. That was personally me, even though I was at the very beginnings of my career and I just was following what other people were doing. Um, I wanted to run a program like we were running at Rutgers in North Texas. And then I quickly realized that that wasn't what was going to happen for our North Broward prep kids. Um, a wide range of reasons for that. Um, and quickly also, I realized like, you know, there were other things too, just from a scheduling standpoint and running a schedule like you would at the college level where you go one sport, then one sport, then one sport, then one sport, uh, mixing the groups a little bit more, realizing that some friends wanted to train together and why would I split them? They're 14 year old kids. They don't need to be doing some sort of crazy sports specific training. Um, you know, a lot of that changed. And a lot, so a lot of it was thanks to, you know, some of those coaches that I already mentioned and others in the area and, and beyond, but also really just like getting, looking to get a pulse of who our community was, interacting with parents, interacting with our sport coaches, which again, you know, sport coaches at our level my, and my dad 
was and still is one, but now he's teaching. So he's a little bit in a different situation than what I was, than what he was in when I was growing up. There's not many in South Florida. There's not many full-time coaches. There really aren't any. You're, you're a teacher slash coach or you're an off-campus, you know, you're working something full-time off-campus and you're coming to campus for practice uh, and things of that nature. So I can understand when, you know, sport coaches are, they have to make a living. They're not, they're not sport coaches. As I said, we don't want to label our kids. We also don't want to label our, you know, the, or any sport coach who's a father at home and runs a landscaping company. And that's what he has to do to make ends meet for his family. Um, so when early on, I would get frustrated with sport coaches for not making sure their kids were there. I mean, they've got other stuff going on. You know, it's not, again, it's not, we're not at the university of Miami. We're not at some um, ACC or SEC school that, you know, sport coach is getting paid maybe millions to make sure that their, their students are there. Um, we have other things going on. So it kind of just changed my scope. It then went from, you know, relying on, on sport coaches to really developing relationships with kids, with parents, with teachers, on campus, off campus, to make sure that those students understood that there was something available to them on campus. Um, and hopefully they participate. So now it's more of a wide net that I cast instead of uh, you're either with us or you're out of here. I want everyone to come work out in some capacity and come train with us in some capacity. Um, and then it's on us to then take the next steps and make sure that it develops into something more than just coming and going, you know. Um, so that was some of the changes that, that happened pretty rapidly, but also kind of took their course over time. How established was the program before you got there? Um, it, it, there wasn't a, an official one. Um, so there certainly wasn't a position. There was a coach that was here that did a really good job, um, that he worked with a couple sports and really it was more so with a few individuals, um, and so there wasn't something that was available to the teams and especially in the capacity that it is now, which now it's a 12 month program before school, after school, uh, middle school options throughout the school day, things like that, that, um, you know, that had come with the creation, you know, the creation of the, of the position, um, prior to that, it was just, there were, there were some well-trained kids, but it wasn't necessarily a, a, a um, uh, I don't want to say it wasn't a program because he did a real good job, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a large capacity detail uh, on campus. What What does your average day look like then? Cause I, yeah, like you mentioned, like you're doing stuff early in the morning, the middle of the day, you have middle school, like what's kind of, I know it probably changes all the time based on yeah. schedules and stuff, but like take me through like something that you might see in a day. Sure. Especially this year, it was, it was much different. It was, it was very different. So, um, I'll start with a morning group. And generally that's like, for instance, that's usually my baseball players and any others that want to come in the morning. So I'll have some soccer players, but baseball is like the team that the coach wants them to come in the morning. And that's been successful for us. But generally throughout the year, that's my large group that's in. Again, I'm not against like any individual that wants to come in and train with the group. They're going to come in. It doesn't matter what sport they play or don't play. Um, then throughout the day, um, if there is, there might be like some, small, you know, very specific instances of like kids have study hall throughout the day. Kids have weight training throughout the day, which is actually led by a colleague. Our football coach runs the high school weightlifting. It's just a, you know, it's a typical high school weightlifting class. It's a, or weight training class. It's, you know, work out on the board and, you know, you can follow along or kind of, you know, if you have a training program. So 
if um, one of our athletes is in there, usually like one of our more committed athletes would be the only, I don't want to say the only one that I would do it for, but um, those first three periods or so are generally like my, my planning time or, you know, whatever you would want to call it in the, in the teaching world. I have middle school personal fitness classes, which are basically like just developmental, uh, you know, kind of prerequisite to our high school strength and conditioning program uh, and uh, third period, sixth and seventh. So I said first through third, but I, I should have said third period this year, but that was a new class that I took on. So um, fourth and fifth periods are like our lunch periods. If a generally like in in season sport, um, they might come and get a 15 or 20 minute quick in and out because they're going to practice after school. Um, generally, we don't keep them way late after um, practice. And, and again, we can kind of get everything that we want accomplished. I feel like in that in that time, as brief as it is, if I get those days, that's more than us doing nothing. So we could get them in and out. Um, if that's something they'd like to take part in, that generally comes down from the from the sport coach. So and then our after school blocks will have a so I said sixth and seventh will be middle school right now. For instance, I'm in track season. So we have track practice after school. I have still a basically like our off season lift before track practice starts. So if you are if you're a track athlete, really, I merge. So I've been a, the strength and conditioning coach on campus for um, uh, seven years and I've been the track coach. I think this is my fourth or fifth season. Um, so that came on later and that really um, my one concern for doing that when our coach that was doing a great job had just retired. Um, my concern for doing that was what would that mean for our out of season athletes? So what we, what we really, the vision for the sport was to basically merge the track and field program and the strength and conditioning program, which has been successful for us, especially in volume and numbers of kids. I know that sounds weird to brag about how many kids we got out there in a COVID year, but um, it's a little bit different this year. Any other year, our metric, our big kind of measure of success is how many kids are interested in the sport, because that means they're also interested in training. Generally, most of them are multi-sport kids. That's their off-season, like I said. So um, if it's a kid that's like not fast enough to sprint yet, maybe, uh, or, you know, maybe is trying to gain some weight for, you know, maybe they're like, typically for us, that's like our our, our, our lean linebacker types, you know what I mean? Like they're trying to put on weight. Uh, they're not that they're not flying. They're also not, you know, quite that strong that maybe they're going to help in the throws. So maybe it'd be best just for them to be in their normal off season strength and conditioning program, come in and lift. Maybe if we have like a short sprint workout, they'll join us on the track for that. And then they'll get out of there. So we'll have a group right before track practice. I'll have track practice and then I'll have a lift after track practice. And again, our track athletes can kind of decide which one they want to participate in. As far as those, um, I actually give them an option, like our multi-sport kids, like our, um, certainly our football guys are lifting, our soccer guys are lifting, our basketball guys are lifting, our volleyball girls are lifting, any of our, our soccer girls are lifting, like any of those multi-sport kids that really are a part of our strength and conditioning program. They don't, I don't want to say they don't have a choice, but they're going to lift. Um, for some of our, like if they're sprints only they're distance runners, something like that, I give them the option because, you know, uh, and I stress the importance, um, and I'm a big proponent of the weight room, especially for my sprinters. And most of my sprinters are in that multi-sport, uh, group, so to speak. Uh, but for some of those kids that are just out there to join a sport and do something fun, 
Uh, I don't want to deter them from joining the sport because maybe they're not as comfortable in the weight room. So I generally give them the option. Um, and then again, stress the importance and hope they'll come in in our summer program. Um, any other year, we just have multiple groups after school. I'll have a girls group, boys group, and then typically like a, um, you know, maybe an in-season group or a later group um, that, that finishes off in the evening there. Um, and then summer, I basically have groups throughout the day. It's not, you know, I don't have to go get too into that schedule. Do you have a staff or no? All right. So yes, you better, you better have somebody, bro. That's a lot of shit. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, this year I've been tremendously lucky again, something that's something that's super positive has come from this, this terrible situation, um, is we needed more staff. So, um, one of the things that like, again, my, our track and field program is very much our strength and conditioning program. Our strength and conditioning program is very much our track and field program. So, I like to bring strength and conditioning minded coaches into our track and field program. More importantly, more importantly, the most important thing, I want positive individuals that are going to inspire our kids. Like, I don't care if you can watch, like, for instance, I've got a couple of young coaches that are doing a great job for me. They're very comfortable in the weight room. Um, one of which I basically gave the assignment of helping our students with block work. So maybe I'm going to the triple jump, long jump. And I want the sprints only crew that most of our sprinters are horizontal jumpers, but if they're not to get some block work in, no problem. Instead of just sending them over and saying, do block work. um, This young coach, I said, Hey, I want you to do your homework and I want you to get as well-versed in this as possible. Knowing that that's a motivated person, knowing that he's going to be positive with them over there, knowing he's going to inspire them to do the best that they can do. I feel good about that. Like I don't need, um, the world's best track coach to be out there showing our kids how to do blocks as helpful, obviously, as that would be. That's just not what our program is right now. You know, our program is um, one that is trying to, we want to ignite a fire in our athletes for the sport. We want them to be motivated. I want them to be in the sport for as long as they want to be. And, and again, not be burnt out and not be putting too much pressure and stress on them. We've had a lot of success that way, which I think has been a a positive to how we've designed the program. So with that, um, those coaches in particular, I have a couple other sport coaches that are on staff and some of our other events. So they kind of continue to not only speak the language of multi-sport participation, um, but also really motivate their kids if they are their athletes, so to speak, in their sport um, and also really help help in the in the weight room. So um, I actually have like our in that first list that I mentioned, I actually have like our JV slash developmental track practice before my varsity practice. So I got to be a part of that. So I needed somebody. This was actually the first year that I really trusted somebody to just say, you're in the weight room, still designing the program, but you're running this program and I want you to um, do it to the best of your ability. And honestly, it's probably been our best off season. So um, I think it's been, you know, that's definitely a testament to um, some of our coaches and you know, it's, it's definitely something that I've had to get used to is, is kind of handing that over for a little bit. This is really cool, man. The fact that you're, you're, you seem so flexible with allowing other people to take some autonomy over this, this type of stuff. And like, I don't know, I don't, I don't see that at a lot of other places that I go, like be it high school or wherever, like I kind of, I, I like to observe. So I kind of like to know the dynamics of wherever I'm going and just kind of watching how a lot of people operate, like they're very uncomfortable to let other people take the reins. But 
I hope people are who feel this way are going to listen to this and kind of see what you're doing because uh, there's only one of you. And if you're not creating more use <laughs> at your situation, like it's going to be a problem at some point, I would imagine. So, yeah, it goes back to, you know, it, it, it goes back to the person you hire for one. I mean, hire, hire a person you trust um, and hire somebody that's going to be able to give some input. Um, which is, that's, that's really something I've struggled with in the past. So don't get me wrong. Don't, don't make it like I'm, I'm coming from a position of authority, but this year, like I said, this was the first time that I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to trust somebody to really, and, and it's more to it than just running what's on the card or, you know, on the sheet. Like there's, there's a lot more, especially at our level and especially this year, are they spaced out enough? Are they doing the right things is, is the music clean when our assistant principal walks by? I mean, it should always be no matter what, but am I going to get an email from the assistant principal saying, why wasn't the music clean? Because I'm still the person that gets those emails. So that's, that's probably the bigger concern is, are we, are we handling our business the way that we're supposed to as on, in this instance, I'm talking about like the, the couple of young men that I coach who are younger than I am and, and closer even to the age of the kids, we got to be really, really smart and responsible and respectful and professional about how we handle our day-to-day interaction. If you can, if you can guarantee me that I want to give as much trust and confide in these kids, young men, coaches, as, as I, as they've earned, which to this point has been a lot, they've proven that they've been somebody that I can trust. There have been plenty of coaches that have come in and given input to our program that have proved, in my opinion, that they're better in that realm than I am in a perfect, in a perfect example, perfect example right here. Our football coach, our head football coach, who I mentioned is also the weight training coach, one of my best friends. He's awesome. Um, But if you ever met him, like he's such a like classic, I don't want to say typical because I certainly don't want to put a stereotype on high school coaches, but like, if you see a high school football coach in a movie, his this is him. Right? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you, don't, you don't expect a person like that to be like your high jump coach. All right. But here's what happened. I mean, we have we have some pretty skillful. Um, we, we have really talented kids on campus that are athletic and willing to do what coaches will tell them. So I've asked a couple kids to help the team and also surprise. Then it kind of turns into, well, I'm good at this. Maybe it's something that I can do in college and make it a little bit easier for my family to pay for school. Um, But some of our kids at high jump, like in previous years, I don't know high jump at all. There's not much that I can provide a, a high jumper to their practice, but we've had some success in the area. So in the event, so I don't want to cut it out or I also don't want to say, you know, we're not going to practice it and we'll just do it at competitions. So this year, again, knowing that I could kind of expand the staff a little bit, which was a benefit of this negative year. Um, I had asked if he'd be willing to just watch some YouTube videos, uh, you know, read a little bit of, you know, whoever it may be about like some high jump drills and more so than anything, just like pretty much I don't want to say just supervise, but just be there. And it's, it's not supervision. It's more so again, like I said, it's, it's, it's being a positive influence and bringing energy to the kid or at least matching the kid's energy for what they're doing. They want to be over there. So I wanted somebody that wanted to be over there with them. And I wanted somebody that would be able to at least like 
give them some sort of affirmation to the work that they're putting in. Because otherwise, like if I'm, I'm working sprints and horizontal jumps, if I'm trying to do all of the above and then add high jump, like it's just, it was just too much. So even knowing that this might not be the person that when you open up a, a textbook and see a high jump coach, like that might be not the, that might not be the person whose picture shows up. He's done such an incredible job. Our, our young lady broke the school record. Um, and you know, it, it's just a testament to positive figures in kids' lives, bringing the best out of the kids. And then we can figure the rest out. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's all of that other stuff that I previously thought was the most important thing on a day-to-day basis has now probably become the least important thing. And it's more about just having our kids together, providing a productive training environment, making sure that the things that are on paper from an X's and O's standpoint, at least make sense. And then we can take it from there. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Now, now when you got into the track game, like as the head coach for them, had you coached track at all before or no? I mean, no. So, but you, had, uh, you participated, so you've seen how well, things work and operate. I can, I could give this quick rundown. I was a football player and I was probably a way too confident, arrogant football player that thought I was fast enough to be on a track against guys that are actually running. Um, I thought I could throw a football so I could throw a javelin, even though there's guys that are actually throwing javelins. So I started sprinting and javelin on the track team. And those were the two events that dropped off the quickest. I picked up shot put and hammer throw. Um, Shot put started to continually, uh, I don't want to say it's less technical than the hammer throw, but um, for me, I think it was a little bit easier to figure out early on. And then the hammer throw really became the event that over time, over those three years that I had to compete was the one that I found the most success in. So it kind of dropped off in that, in that, um, same order. So I dropped off javelin because I wasn't having much success on it. And it wasn't, it was tweaking my elbow and it just, we figured we'd focus on shot put. And then we dropped off the sprints because some of the sprint workouts were dropping weight off me. And then, and I was still having some success in shot put and then shot put, it was hammer started taking off and it was like, let's just kind of channel and focus on, on the event of hammer and weight throw. Um, so my experience actually was in the throws. And so then it would make sense. Why don't I coach the throws? But number one, hammer throws, not a, a school a state sanctioned event down here. Um, number two, uh, the throws are so technical and I hadn't ever coached them though. I really, I did a lot of research myself and wanted to find out how to throw them and, and continue to progress. I'm, I don't want to say on my own, but I did a lot of research. Um, but still I had never coached it. It had been a while. Um, and to me, uh, sprinting was something that I had always had interest in from a, you know, uh, coaching developmental standpoint, um, and continuing to, you know, just kind of in my continued ed, I wanted to learn more about, um, sprinting. So that was a large part of my coaching and, and again, my development as a coach. So I was like, okay, well, I feel at least semi-versed in sprinting. Um, and also the more, the bigger thing there, number one, our throws coach is also our defense coordinator and hands down the, the best human being we have on campus, um, that I wanted to be a part of our program, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, but also two, almost all of our multi-sport kids were going to be in the sprints group. So then again, kind of just thinking in terms of their, their annual programming. 
um, and, and thinking about what was best for those kids and being able to relate to those kids and coach those kids. Um, I felt like it was best fit to be with the sprinters. And then some of my sprinters found some ex- success in long jump early on, which I didn't have much experience in at all. Um, and then came along my, my favorite event to coach, which is triple jump, um, that I think the reason why I like it so much, I was a three-turn hammer thrower. Um, among other things, like some of my, like, I don't want to say some of my favorite kids are in that event, but I, th- they are, I mean, they put, <laughs> hopefully they're not, hopefully not everybody else is listening <laughs> I, I, I say it like that, but some really, truly, some of my favorites have been in that event in that, in the past, I think there's it, being that there's three jumps to it. Um, I feel like progress, I don't want to say progress is a little bit easier, but it can be like way bigger if you just if you just make one small tweak to one phase you're going to see so much difference in your other phases that it's then going to really be an exponential improvement um but back to that kind of three turn thing like i knew as a hammer thrower i was i was like a really aggressive football type that i really tried to gun my first turn um it's just like if you try too hard on your first phase of the triple jump um so i think kind of the the relaxation that still needs it's it's those two events are about about like relaxation and force which is the craziest thing you know craziest pairing but that's generally what sports are um so being able to identify those athletes that might be good at that event um but also being able to you know i think back to bring back sports psychology bring back some of the mindset ideas that i would bring in my approach to learning the hammer throw kind of had have carried with me in triple jump. And um, so then I was working with the horizontal jumps and sprints. And again, pretty much if you're a sprinter, you're also jumping, you know, in in my horizontals at least. So um, that, that has been, that's a little bit easier to combine versus, like I said, a high jump or, you know, um, if I were to try to coach hurdles or something like that. Um, Biggest things you've learned over the last five years coaching track like what was what's kind of some things you picked up or gotten better at i think i think the track community has been what has um impacted my network the most um and not just in like being able to go to meets and meeting these people but understanding that um understanding that some of the real diamonds in our profession are so unknown that like there are track coaches down here that if I could ever be a 10th of the coach they are, I will be so happy with my career. And we don't know them in our strength and conditioning profession. Most coaches from a track and field standpoint might not nationally might not even know of these coaches um, because they're, math teachers that go to the track after school and have done this for 20 years and have coached so many people and have seen so many kids and have seen so many different movers um, that it's, you know, I think that has been such a big thing for me and not, you know, not, not automatically assuming because, you know, the first time you meet a person, you haven't seen their name on a podcast or some magazine or, um, you know, a website or a blog or something like that, not automatically assuming that you're not going to come away like a dramatically better person and coach from that situation, I think has been, has been a real big thing. And, you know, I think that's been a big thing with the community and, and coaching the kids. I think it's, 
I think coaching track and field has just further um, confirmed some of my beliefs that happened in the first year, few years at the high school level that get kids engaged. The ones that, you know, your, your kids at the top of the top um, that are going to be division one college athletes. I don't want to say they're going to be division one college athletes anyway, but it, it largely their training, they're not going to be dependent on your training to get there. I mean, I, on my training to get there. So I think that's, that's eased the um, concerns for like coaching the cream of the crop for us. Um, and then likewise, some of those kids at the, at the lower end of the continuum, I don't mean to say it like that, but at least from an athletic standpoint, some of those kids that are just like, wait, what's that? Those kids are running around the track. I'll try it, whatever. Um, number one, like just, providing a situation, providing an opportunity for them to be a part of a team and be a part of an event. Number one, you never know, like of all the events that are in track and field, I've seen some weird things happen that you never expect is going to be good at an event. And all of a sudden it's like, where did that come from? Um, and they find something, they find some way to relate to their peers. Um, they now have in, in us, so to speak, or a we, so to speak, instead of just feeling like they're out on their own on campus. Um, so them being a part of it, like naturally in itself, if they're just there, we're taking care of those kids, you know, no matter what it doesn't, it's not dependent on my program. If they're in any sort of program and they're doing something athletic, I guarantee those kids that are not as athletic as the division one athletes, or even the kids in the middle, um, they're going to, they're going to, so drastically and dramatically um, benefit from any sort of um, program. And then it's the ones in the middle, you know, it's, it's, it's finding a way to meet the 90% of the students that we have um, and design an appropriate program for them, which takes into account, yes, preparing them for college athletics, if that's what they want to do. Um, and yes, it also takes into account that some of their colleagues might not be as advanced as them or some of their higher level quote unquote athletes might be. Um, but designing, you know, that team atmosphere has also kind of carried into the weight room. Um, and also just additional interactions with, you know, through track and field. I say this to a lot of coaches, the interaction I've the way I've changed my interaction with parents as a result of track and field has been night and day. I previously just avoided parents um, and thought everything was bad and which is the most ridiculous thing I could ever think of um, doing now. Um, and that now the more involved our parents are generally, the more supportive they'll be. Um, and also the more in the know, they should know what's happening with their kids and they should know what we're doing in practice and they should know, um, all those things. So there's been a lot that, you know, sure programming has changed, but I think more so kind of philosophically and kind of personally, I think there's been a lot that I've brought from the sport that has changed my, my, you know, view of, of strength and conditioning. You've coached literally thousands of kids and you've seen like a four five, six year to like essentially you've seen some of these kids like since you started almost right. Like you in middle school too, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have, so our, I haven't yet had a graduating class that I had those middle school classes. So that those middle school classes actually came on after my track hat even went on. So that's been three years, I think. So I haven't had a graduation class necessarily of like kids that went through that program yet, you know, when like 
that first class of sixth graders graduates, that's probably going to be super weird. <laughs> it's time to move on. Yeah. <laughs> I've certainly seen the eighth graders. Um, I've seen eighth graders that were training with us as like varsity level yeah. athletes, maybe, or, you know, just training with the team or just generally kids I know um, that have graduated. That's been a lot. Dude, that's, that's so cool. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I referenced, like I've kind of been around and done a bunch of different jobs and everything. And, and while that's been cool for me and it's allowed me to kind of sample and figure out what I like and what I want. Uh, my one regret is that I've never stayed a, a, at a place long enough to like see, and it's not even like my doing, just see what happens to these kids, like see the development, like see one of those middle of the road kids work hard enough to, to get a division one scholarship or something like that. And I'm sure that's gotta be pretty, pretty freaking sweet for you to like see that happen. Cause I'm sure it has. So, yeah, I mean, it's lifestyle transformations. I mean, generally, like genuinely just you see some kids change their lives. And that's not like that is not an over exaggeration. That is not sarcasm. I have a few right on my brain right now that just you would not believe the person that they were when they were when they graduated at 17 or 18 if you saw them when they were 14 and, you know, it's, it, it truly is a special feeling, you know, it's, it's cool to stand next to somebody on signing day. Sure. But um, being able to see like a line of students that have, have grown through our school and have been impacted by our teachers and um, leaders on campus and hopefully us as coaches as well. Um, it, it's, it's really impressive and incredible stuff to see. All right. It's been about an hour, so I'll try to wrap it up. This was one of the main reasons why I wanted to bring you on. Of course, we're getting to it now. Um, you recently, I think fairly recently, have started this weekend track stuff within your community, correct? Uh, it's been, I mean, it's been a work in progress, I'd say. Um, I, you know, it probably, the, of what it looks like right now for a few reasons, um, we're especially in this, in this COVID calendar year. Um, you know, with numerous groups and spreading kids out and things like that. Yes, that. Um, but also in just like, I think it also kind of turned on a light bulb of, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that I feel like are you know, a lot of young people that are not maybe getting what they could or should, or we hope they would um, in this year. I think it was even more evident but so yeah it's been I mean it's been a few years of work in progress um early on I'd say maybe my first couple years of moving down here I was just kind of like looking around and feeling around and seeing what it would maybe look like one day and then I saw some people that I really looked up to and still look to look up to to this day um that were doing some things in in their community which in that community was Delray Beach um, some people I grew up with, some people I looked up to growing up, just training young kids, generally like football training, football related, all sports, though. Um, and I wanted to be a part of it. Um, and then from there, um, it wasn't it, it certainly wasn't starting my own thing. What happened was some of the people that were leading it just of it's it was good things, business ventures and, and things started to go trend really positively for them. Um, that's some that that wasn't occurring on Sundays anymore. Um, I wanted to, it was shortly after there. I feel like maybe it was a few months after that. I was just really missing it um, and wanted to start something on Saturdays. And then we started it on campus and had a few kids showing up. Most of them were our students, which is awesome. Um, but I also wanted to, you know, invite some kids from off campus as well. So 
COVID forced me to, I couldn't host things on campus, which is 1 million percent understandable. Um, so then instead of kind of just um, consolidating in one group and coming to our campus, I was going to a few um, parks and, you know, uh, then it, it led to, you know, continuing to grow, which is where it's at now and hopefully where, where we're going to continue to grow. Um, take me through kind of what you're, how you're doing it, what you're trying to get out of it. Um, not just from the, the strength and conditioning side, but just in general, like within the community, like just the whole, the whole package, like where is it now kind of, and then where do you see it going? Yeah. Well, like I said, man, this is home for me. So I know a lot of kids that like, I know there's, there's all walks of life that are coming on Saturday mornings or afternoons or whatever it is, not only from, I'm not sure how old the, the kid was yesterday, but he couldn't have been much older than like seven years old. You had a, you had a real little kid. I saw yeah, and, <laughs> and like they can, that's fine by me. Like I'm not, and, and I think you can probably grasp this from our conversation, like X's and O's, although, you know, most podcasts want to hear about that. Like that's not, that's not on the forefront of my mind on most things in working with young people. And, and again, especially those kids, but especially on Saturdays, and I'm going to see a kid once a week, hopefully, you know, maybe they, I might see them once a month because they can't make it on other days. Like I'm not thinking of some illustrious progression scheme and programming for that. Uh, I think there's some things that ought to go into that. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not, that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is providing those kids the opportunity to be busy on Saturday. Like that's, that's really, and, and I mean that, like there's the kids that show up, you've got people that are, and, and I don't want to like necessarily pigeonhole somebody, certainly based on their socioeconomic status, but from all over the place, from, from kids that um, grew up maybe somewhere like me, that maybe grew up somewhere a step above from a socioeconomic economic standpoint, maybe somebody that grew up a step below, maybe somebody that grew up two to 10 steps below, two to 10 steps above. I think it's important to get all of those kids together for much more than, yes, from a training standpoint, from a being busy standpoint, from a getting out of the house or getting out of the neighborhood or getting away from poor influences, maybe for some kids, maybe it more so is the social piece for all of us. I mean, because I really do believe, I think it's, to me, it's every bit as important for the kid that's at the title one school, the kid that is on free or reduced lunch, the kid that is not going to get any sort of formalized training. It's important for him, but I also think it's every bit as important for our kids that are on campus that I see on a daily basis to see really what the, what the real world is like, especially around us, man. Like in, in South Florida, it is, it is, it is really like that. Like you, yes, from corner to corner, you might see two very different neighborhoods and see multiple a wide range of very different personalities and lifestyles. Um, but also like being in a travel sports situation, being in a, or more so important, more importantly, when we're adults and we're business owners or whatever it may be that's coming out of our campus, 
I want them to understand truly what the real world is like and what many of the people that are around us are facing. And I think not just from a personality standpoint, not just from a conversation with kids, but again, just being around each other, I think sparks conversations and sparks things that could not happen really probably any other way. I mean, there certainly are a lot of ways to bring the community together, but that was my way of wanting to do that. Um, then beyond that, yes, like I want the, you know, I want those kids that aren't necessarily getting any formalized training to have some sort of formalized training and something to do on Saturdays. I want them to be active and fit. I want them, if it's something that comes from it to continue to get faster. Sure. But that's probably like the last goal of, of really what I see it to be and what I want it to be. Um, what has come from that, I think of what, just like I had kind of said, my change in network and my change in thought of who I really like, want to connect with and who I want to be around more. Um, some of the coaches in our community, whether private sector, whether at public schools, whether at another private school, whether at, you know, whatever it may be, I think getting those coaches involved has helped me become a better coach by conversation. Um, hopefully it's done the same for them and us spending time together, but also those coaches are going to bring kids there. Um, so some of the students that they train are going to come and join us then they, you never know, you really never know if, if some of my kids from North Broward, some of the other kids that I know really well that maybe are um, children of somebody that I grew up with or somebody that I just happened to meet through training or something like that, you never know, maybe there might be just that, that one conversation or that one statement that's missing in our mentorship that somebody else might be able to bring to the table that I think is really important and why I've also not only wanted to cast that wide net on campus, cast that wide net off campus in our speed training, but also cast the wider net in terms of just getting other coaches involved and other community figures involved. That I think is a large part, not only why we have seen some success is a result of coaches and people like that, um, but also the next step of really where I want it to go. I just want it to be continued I want it to continue to be a, a part of, of the community and not just something that Coach Garish is doing on Saturdays. Like that's the, that's the last of what I want. I want it to be something that all of us are, are pitching in on. Um, if, if my philosophy isn't speed ladders, but a coach that does a really good job and is a really good figure for our kids wants to have a station on our day with speed ladders, like, stop it. You're, you're going to do what you feel comfortable coaching. You know what I mean? I don't mean stop doing the speed ladders. I'm saying like for me, from a personality standpoint and from a personal standpoint, like just taking a step back and allowing coaches. And that, that also kind of what was what helped change my mindset on campus too. So um, again, that's so, so continuing to grow um, certainly, you know, I, I think as, as we hopefully continue to trend in the positive direction, from a pandemic standpoint, um, hopefully we are able to get larger groups of people together. I'm not necessarily turning people away right now, you know, but I think by the scheduling different groups that does that a little bit, you know, okay, I can go to this session um, and what have you, and also just not like large scale broadcasting. Um, but as I would, I would, we have had events in the past that I would like to go back to, hey, we have a, we have a huge event coming up on a Saturday um, that the community's involved and we have multiple coaches, 
um, and, and community figures that are coming out. And, and again, just instilling positive values in the kids, um, I think is, is, is the large thing that can come from it. So, and also just like continuing to collaborate. There's some coaches that in the area that I really look up to um, and really love what they're doing that hopefully this summer, again, hopefully COVID starts to continues to trend in the positive for lack of a better term in a better direction. Yeah. Right. Um, and then also another thing for us in the summer, I, I, I'm forced to consolidate those groups to smaller and, and kind of condense those groups um, because we have afternoon thunderstorms. So I'm not gonna, like, it's not even, it's not even worth your time to even schedule an afternoon session in the summer because that's going to happen. So either we every Saturday say, well, Hey, sorry, we're going to have to postpone or reschedule or, or cancel. Um, we're going to have to, we're going to be, have to be much more selective on um, so that there's probably not going to be able to be as many sessions spread out. Um, but hopefully by that time, again, we can maybe spread it out in that field by having multiple coaches. Um, hopefully we're in a good spot from in the community, from a COVID standpoint and um, just continues to grow. Um, you know, that's the, that's the end goal for me. Dude, you see the full picture very well. It's really, really cool to listen to your, your take on this. Um, and it's certainly making me want to, you know, do this even more and giving me more reasons to do it. So I really appreciate that, man. You're, you're, it's been really cool talking to you. I, I really appreciate your insights and all this stuff. So. Um, I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Of course. Um, before I let you go, anything you want to promote social on your own social media, any projects, anything at all? I don't think so. I mean, like I said, there's, and I don't have anything on paper yet, but I'd really like to, it's not going to be, it's, it, I don't want it to be like, I never really want to think of those Saturdays like work. And I don't right now, like Saturday is my favorite day of the week. It probably always will be. I mean, number one in the fall college football. Is there, <laughs> I'm talking about right now. Like I just, I look forward to Saturdays. I love Monday through Friday, but Saturday is like, that's just the day that I always have circled. Um, so I don't want to, you know, it's never going to be work, but also like, I don't want to put pressure on myself either of like structuring and formalizing something so in detail that it becomes that. Um, but I would like, and, and again, it's nothing on paper, but in the summer, I, I want to make, I, I kind of want to scale it a little bit more, um, and, and see what other coaches would be involved in, and interested in doing something like that and seeing if there's some sort of education piece that might kind of fall into that, that maybe us coaches can connect on Friday evening. And then, you know, we're training on Saturday mornings across the us you know like that and again that's like dude that's, you do like, you do that i'm 100 percent in <laughs> that is a pipe dream right now i'll be honest with you but i do think it's something that you know i think we have there's so many good people in our profession that that want to do something like that and it's just we all like trust me there's been there's been days that i've shown up and there's one kid and there's been days that i've shown up that there's three kids and then there's been days that i've shown up and there's 45 kids and it's like what the heck is going on <laughs> you know it's it's like it's like being at a i've likened it to like being at a football game or whatever sport and the crowd is doing the wave like first it's that one idiot that stands up and waves their arms and then it's two or three and then you know eventually you get the entire stadium going and it's a really exciting feeling when you get there but you don't get there right from the start so for coaches, is that, is, is that part of the North Texas experience? Is that, <laughs> is that... 
I was the guy that was starting the league, but nobody responded. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for coaches that are interested in doing it, don't get frustrated if, you know, number one, always always be willing to loop, loop your own students in so that you know at least somebody's going to show up from the start, you know, and then it continues to grow and it grows and grows and grows and word of mouth spreads. And um, so, you know, if just like I said, I, I've got some events that I'd like to do in the summer. I have some coaches that I really, you know, have my fingers crossed that they'd be willing to, to team up on some things in the summer, but also really kind of a, a larger scale thing, I think could be something that we do and we can kind of check in on a weekly basis and that could, that could grow it even larger and even beyond what, you know, I had previously thought of it being. Um, but again, this is kind of my first time mentioning it so let me throw that out into the atmosphere and see um kind of where it goes and I think you know if at least just kind of getting a few steps in the right direction this summer that might be that might be something that we do dude that's that's awesome stuff John thanks so much man for for coming yeah. on I, I really appreciate it. this has been a lot of fun as you know it's a good one when I am going back to look at the questions I prepared I think I asked two of them and <laughs> Well, that's because I just hijacked the conversation. Dude. No, 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 dog. No, no, no. You, you, you <laughs> went some good areas that are just much more entertaining than asking about kinograms. So, <laughs> I, you would, I would have you for another hour. So, <laughs> well, we'll have to run it back again sometime, man. Absolutely, I'm with you. Hey, thanks a lot, John. Appreciate you. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy your Sunday, right?